good day to be indigenous. Get up, stand up. They are going to become more brutal. Because all the hippies were trying to be Indians anyway. They're going to become more repressive because it's a matter of dollars and their illusionary concepts of power. Hey, Victor. We must live in balance with the earth. And also with recent happenings at Wounded Knee. I am awake. Welcome to Native Roots Radio Presents I'm Awake, and I'm your host, Wakanja Hade. Hey, Kadagi, to all my friends and relatives in four directions, you are listening to Native Ritz Radio Presents I'm Awake. And I'm your host, Robert Pilot, and we discuss local and national Native news and events. And as you know, Native issues are human issues, and human issues are Native issues. Um, and like, this. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> I was going to say this portion of the show was brought to you by MN350, a grassroots organization fighting for climate justice. Hey, I'm just not following the script as usual, but uh, Ogma, welcome and welcome everyone out there, all our allies and all our native relatives, everybody in uh, on Turtle Island and in four directions. We uh, do a program here. Uh, it's about Native Americans and our allies, and we talk uh, in the beginning here, we, we talk about news and events that uh, you don't hear anywhere else, so why don't we get to Ogma right away here with uh, the Native News. Hey, bonjour, Anine, everybody. It's Ogamaganuikwe, and I have some uh, news and events uh, for things that are coming up for you here uh, locally and uh, also kind of, I guess, a little bit nationally, too. Uh, first event that is coming up is a Rise Up for Peltier in Minneapolis on February 6th at noon. That's at the Federal Courthouse in Minneapolis, Minnesota. The rally is for justice and freedom, and 48 years is too long. Uh, Leonard Peltier is currently in a federal high-security prison in Florida uh, for aiding and abetting the murder of a uh, FBI uh, police officer, FBI officer, during the uh, shoot-off that followed the, uh, the occupation of Wounded Knee. And uh, that is a charge that uh, would not normally receive that uh, level of um, of punishment or of prison time, right, Robert? 48 years for aiding and abetting. Right. We talk about that uh, all the time that, you know, these uh, murderers that murdered George Floyd in Minneapolis here, uh, the police that's watched and were uh, convicted of aiding and abetting are getting a year and a half. Exactly. Exactly. So it's something to keep in mind uh, when you're, you know, having those discussions about Leonard Peltier and, uh, you know, within your inner circles and um, those kinds of things that, uh, yeah, he's been in prison for 48 years for the crime of aiding and abetting. Events are also planned uh, worldwide and nationally um, everywhere from Rapid City, South Dakota and Minneapolis, Fargo, uh, New Mexico, California, Italy, um, Frankfurt, Germany, Rome, uh, Paris, France, and Geneva, Switzerland, uh, to name a few. Um, you can uh, check out the International Day of Solidarity Rise Up for Peltier um, online. Make sure you check social media and uh, rise up together to demand justice for the indigenous political prisoner, Leonard Peltier. I do believe we're going to have somebody coming on a little bit later in the show just to touch base a little bit more on that event as well. Coming up here in February um, in the Twin Cities and in Duluth are going to be uh, Missing and Murdered Women and Relatives Marches uh, for 2023. Um, this year will be the first year the march is back in person in Minneapolis. Uh, event starts at 11 a.m. and goes until 2 p.m. It's put on by the Minnesota India Women's Sexual Assault Coalition, which has been a wonderful sponsor of us here on Native Roots Radio. The speakers begin at 11 a.m. and the march begins at noon. They are leaving from East Phillips Park in Minneapolis. Everyone is welcome. There's going to be speakers, lunch, an informational table, and more. Uh, up in Duluth, they're going to have the annual Memorial March for Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women and Relatives. And that is, of course, put on by the American Indian uh, Community Housing Organization, uh, as well as many others. And uh, their event up there starts at 11 a.m. and runs until 5 p.m. Um, the march there starts at 2.45 p.m. They're going to have uh, red shawls, round dance, jingle dress. As always, wear red, uh, hang a red dress or a red shirt or a red outfit, something um, outside your door um, to remember our missing and murdered indigenous relatives and to help them know that we are still looking for them. 
Red is the chosen color of the missing and murdered Indigenous relatives uh, movement because it is said that spirits can see the color red uh, from wherever they are. So um, call on those spirits and uh, people all around you to take action against the ongoing epidemic of missing and murdered Indigenous women, relatives, two-spirit, and LGBTQ plus relatives. It's um, an ongoing problem nationwide here uh, in the United States and Canada, as well as uh, other parts of Turtle Island and beyond. So definitely something we want to uplift there. Um, Another event that is coming up in February, man, February is going to be a busy month. The day after Red Dress Day on February 14th, uh, there's going to be a Rise and Repair Rally for Indigenous Rights and Climate Justice at the Minnesota State State Capitol in St. Paul, Minnesota. Members of the Indigenous Faith and Climate and Community Groups are going to gather at the Minnesota State Capitol to demand that legislators honor Indigenous sovereignty and treaty rights and that they take a green path forward. They're calling on the legislators and the government to build a just and sustainable economy for people all across Minnesota and to take bold action to protect our land, water, and all living creatures. Again, that's Wednesday, February 15th from 1 to 6 p.m. at the Minnesota State Capitol. You can go to riseandrepair.org and, uh, you know, make sure you RSVP. As always, it's a free event, but we uh, always, people always like to have, you know, account um, of who's going to be there. And it also, if, uh, you know, you're a member of the press or you're affiliated with a particular organization, um, that would be coming, you, um, can figure out how to, um, you know, show up in your best self. So, um, us as press, we always like to let them know we're going to be showing up as press, but other options when you go to register, including, uh, learning how to lobby, visiting with my legislator, just attending the rally, or uh, volunteering for the event. Uh, Events like this always need security. They always need people to help with logistics. And uh, if you're looking for a way to help the planet and the movement, that is a good way to do it. We talk a lot here about environmental issues and, uh, you know, needing to have meaningful consultation with tribes uh, when it comes in regards to, you know, the environment. Um, But, you know, meaningful consultation with tribes and how legislation that's passed affects tribes uh, is not just limited to the environment. Um, And the South Dakota Searchlight uh, just put out this article. Um, In South Dakota, there's going to be a food sales tax cut and that passed in the House on Thursday. And uh, nine of tribal governments in South Dakota are going to be are concerned about this. Um, The Bureau of Finance and Management of South Dakota estimated that the tribes are going to lose about two million dollars in funding for tribal government operations if the food tax is eliminated um, because a 4.5% tax on food um, brings in $102 million to the state local government. But there is an agreement in order um, saying that the food sales tax, uh, part of the food sales tax that's collected on the reservations goes back to its original reservation. And uh, the tribal governments in South Dakota are kind of raising the alarm on this. Meanwhile, uh, the House Taxation Committee commented on Thursday that the question of how the food tax cut would impact tribal budgets had not been explored. Um, So they just didn't think about whether or not the tribes were going to be adversely affected. And they're saying now that there's probably workable solutions and there's some ways that they could address these concerns, et cetera, and so forth. Um, But that is, you know, a big thing that they just went ahead and passed this without any um, sort of, you know, agreement with the tribes, Robert. And I I think that happens uh, with legislation a lot more than uh, our non-Native allies really really realize. Yeah, I agree. Um, that's good that we bring this up here. Uh, good, good words, and uh, it's it's crazy. It really is. Yeah. So the other example that's given in this article says the Rosebud Sioux Tribe gets back ninety three percent of retail sales and service tax revenue, and food sales account for twenty five to thirty percent of that figure, which means um, they're going to be going from about ninety three percent down to about seventy three percent in their budget, which is a big hit. Yes, it is. Hey, Peeny Gigi Ogama for the news. We got Rachel stopping, Rachel Thunder stopping in, and then Rita Arndt. Uh, we can't wait to see her. I know she's all set up with her her husband's uh, 
uh, gaming site, so she'll sound really good. Hey, we'll be right back after this short break. Please, please, please stay with us. ho Hey, Olgama, I've been hearing a lot about this term, climate justice. What is that? Climate justice is recognizing that the negative impacts of climate change don't affect all people equally. It also means transitioning from a fossil fuel-based economy to a more sustainable future. MN350 is one of the groups that's pushing for this transition to protect our futures. You can even get involved, too. That's great, especially since I'm concerned about pipeline projects like Line 3. How can I help MN350? Just find them on Facebook or visit mn350.org. Metro State University empowers students to expand their knowledge and advance their careers through high-quality bachelor's and master's programs in high-demand fields. Looking to complete a four-year degree? Metro State has more than 60 undergraduate programs to choose from. Hoping to move into the next level of your career? Find out which of Metro State's 25-plus graduate programs is right for you. Visit metrostate.edu for upcoming info sessions and to apply. Spring registration is open now. Metro State University, where learning meets living. Take care of your community by joining Metro Transit's Adopt-A-Stop program. Show your community pride by adopting a transit stop. Join us in helping keep the stop and your neighborhood beautiful and report any maintenance needs to us. We'll put a sign at the stop recognizing your efforts, plus you'll get 10 free rides every month. Get details at metrotransit.org slash adopt. Again, adopt a stop for Metro Transit. Hey, Cudigy, to all my friends and relatives in four directions. This is Robert Pilot of Native Roots Radio Presents I'm Awake. I'm here to ask you for your support. Finding honest, Native-centered news is not easy. But with your support, we're able to provide accurate information about Standing Rock, Line 3, treaty violations, and COVID-19 in our Native communities. Please visit Native Roots Radio Network on Patreon and donate if you can. That's Native Roots Radio Network on Patreon. Pinigigi, and thank you for your support. Welcome back to Native Roots Radio Presents. I'm Awake, and this is Robert Pilot. Hey, this portion of the show is brought to you by the Minnesota Indian Women's Sexual Assault Coalition. Hey, thanks, Ogama. Hey, we have uh, Rachel Thunder here stopping in real quick before we get to, to Rita, and we wanted to uh, get an update uh, for the Leonard Peltier, uh, 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 update for Leonard Peltier, and it's good to see you, Rachel. It seems like years since I've seen you. Oh, wow. <laughs> I know what you mean, Robert. Tanse, hello, everybody, and thank you for having me on. Uh, I'm just going to update really briefly on some of the efforts uh, happening around the world right now for the clemency of Elder Leonard Peltier. So on February the 6th, uh, 2023, which is this coming Monday, is uh, 48 years since the original arrest of Leonard Peltier and him being held by the colonial governments of the Canadian government and the United States government. So the International Leonard Paltier Defense Committee put a worldwide call out in solidarity for people to plan um, events, protests, rallies, prayer vigils in their local communities. And um, so here in Minneapolis, Minnesota, we're going to be having a rally at 12 noon um, on February the 6th. Here in Minneapolis at the federal courthouse, there is a Facebook link for the event. There's flyers rolling around. Um, I know Robert has some of the flyers. These are events that are happening all around the world. There's six planned in Germany alone, many in Europe, and then many across uh, Turtle Island. So um, I know that there's plans in Washington, D.C., Los Angeles, Chicago, Minneapolis, Uh, Fargo, Tampa, Florida, Tulsa, Sacramento, just to name a few. So if you're listening, um, you know, make sure to get involved and just show up in solidarity and support for uh, for clemency for Elder Paltier. 
Well, thanks, Rachel, for the update. We want to uh, talk to you in a couple more days and uh, days and uh, talk more about this. But thank you so much for stopping in. And I know you're a busy person, so really, really appreciate you and, and stopping in. Yeah. Thank you, Robert. Thanks for having me on. Right on. All right. Hey, so we're here we go. We just got a, a, a great show here. We have Rita Arndt, who's uh, with White Earth. She's a White Earth resident. Oh, wow. Uh, I have works- my White Earth. White Earth. Oh, wow. And it's pink. You have your pink <laughs> White Earth shirt. Okay. And so you're with the Minnesota Historical Society, and you're uh, with uh, the head of a Native American Initiatives. And we want to just check in and see what's going on because there is so many cool things happening at uh, with the Minnesota Historical Society. So a uh, welcome. Hello, thank you, thank you for having me. Um, I'm happy to be here again and to talk about some of the programs that the Native American Initiative Department is doing at the Minnesota Historical Society. So I just wanted to. Um, give a brief update on some of them, and I'm hoping that in the future we'll be able to dive deeper into some of these programs, especially when more um, of due dates are due or when program dates are happening so that we can share with the audience about when and where to support these programs. Excellent. So, <laughs> You sound great, too, by the way. I, I thank your husband for uh, being a gamer. Oh, I know. I know. He's like, I have to go. I can't game right now because my wife has a thing. I'm like, "Mm -hmm." (laughs) (laughs) so thank you for him for that. Um, So one of the programs I wanted to talk about is a Native American undergraduate museum fellows program. Now it is a a mouthful. So we normally call it NOM, but the program has been around at the historical society and some kind of format for over a decade. And the goal of the program is to expose Native undergraduate students to the museum field, especially for those who might not even think about that field to go into because of many reasons like, oh, I'm not a historian or, you know, I don't know much about history or like a museum. I don't want to work in that kind of place, but really to expose what that looks like. And it's a really... um, Great program. We actually just had our first alumni event. We have over 90 alumni. Wow. who have gone on to do many wonderful things. So it's just really great to get the folks back together for that. Well, you know, uh, working at the, uh, you know, seeing you in the community, which I have, Arita, and you and your people that you have, like, tabling are a lot of fun. So, I mean, the the museum has to be kind of fun, doesn't it? I mean, really? I Yeah, it is, but some <laughs> people just don't. They don't see it as a space for them. So that's part of this fellowship is mm. to really be like, you know what? This is a space for Native people to be in. Um, it is a place for a, a Native people to disrupt to because far too often museums get information wrong or, you mm. know, it's very dated or stereotypical. So there's a place for our voice and how that can look. It can be fun. It can be just you know, hanging out at powwows and just sharing our resources and making friends like I like we have. So it's yeah. I absolutely love it. I wanted to go into the museum field. So I um, I've always was on this track. But there are people who were like, you know what, there's education opportunities through the museum. You know, there's you know, we have a marketing team. You know, we do mm-hmm. media. There's lots of ways to work in the field um, just and you don't have to necessarily be like, well, I'm not a history major or, you know, that's not my thing. That's fine. <laughs> a lot of folks aren't. Well, I had students work there. Uh, at, I was a high school teacher that worked at the uh, Minnesota Historical Society and did just that. They did video stuff. They learned things. They were uh, and uh, I have a former student and I can't think of his or her name is still there after all the years of basically kind of interning back then and i'll have to look into that uh find out who that was but yeah there's a lot of other things going on there yeah and what we part of what we want to do with this program is to you know be that connection from community to the museum field so that it's not as scary it's not as um because there's a lot of unknowns there and museums have a reputation um, in Native communities where it comes off in a a way that is not welcoming. So it's like we're really trying to um, counteract that and change that narrative. So to make it a more welcoming place, 
for, you know, people to work there, but also native community to come visit and to use us as a resource. Yeah, I, I really feel that uh, it is that way. I was there for a gala uh, this past, well, a couple months ago, and, you know, everyone was really welcoming. I went, got to go see the the um, museum part about Native Americans that uh, were here, and um, it, it was really, really cool. And I, I thought I had it was a good vibe. I really felt a good vibe, but, you know, I haven't been in there in years, so uh, it was new, and I think it's a new vibe, too. Yeah, it has changed that exhibit. Our home just um, celebrated its third anniversary, but we haven't been able to celebrate it that much because COVID (laughs) happened. And I was one of the um, main exhibit curators for that exhibit. So I'm very proud of it. And um, stay tuned because I will bring it up later, but we're going to, our show related to it is going to open in October of this year. Um, about the photographs. So stay tuned for that. Well, I'll have to come back on to talk more about that. (laughs) Well, I'm excited and uh, we're going to keep you on a little longer than you think, I think. So uh, (laughs) I'm really excited about the uh, photographs because in the past too, like on eBay, I've seen photographs and I've uh, bought a few and you have uh, the Minneapolis uh, Papers photographs, which are, it's just amazing. Um, that that partnership happened because what happens to all this stuff, you know, and, and it's great that you guys are swooping in on that. Yeah, it's wild. It's, I think of the big thing is a lot of people don't understand the depth of resources that the historical society has, especially for native communities and also the spaces where native stuff comes up is like in unexpected places. But yeah, with the star in tribune, we just had, we have, whole boxes and boxes of photos that they used in their newspapers and they just had some labeled Indians. <laughs> and so, so we went in and kind of dive deeper and organized them by date. We're looking at themes, thinking about how things were connected. Some stories are very urban. Some are very reservation and like thinking about how, what these stories actually tell versus what was actually shared in the newspaper that day. So yeah, stay. I'll have to come back to talk more about that project because it's developing very nicely, and we finally have a a date, well October, <laughs> but that's close yeah. enough than uh, it was before. So we're very excited. Well, I'm excited because uh, I did scoop up a couple pictures, and a funny, uh, uh, one of them was uh, a, a, a familiar last name in Ho Chunk that was working in some sort of radio, whether it was KFAI or way back in the '60s. So. I mean, just gems like that are all over there. And I was there when you were tabling and people were coming up and telling you who these people were. It was really quite exciting. Yeah, the response has been great from just sharing the little bit at tabling events. So I I look forward to how the response will be for the exhibit. Yeah, definitely. So we got like a minute left here. Tell our people in Wisconsin, because we have a big following in Wisconsin, where are you located Um and that would be good to know. Yeah, we are located. Our main location is, is the History Center in St. Paul. It's right big on a hill between the cathedral and the U.S. Capitol. I mean, not the U.S., the Minnesota State Capitol. Um, we're not that far from Wisconsin, so please come visit. And just because we are the Minnesota Historical Society, we don't we have more than that. We have lots of relevant information related to Wisconsin as well. So don't discount that as us just being Minnesota in front of it. Right. Don't worry. There's no Viking stuff there. So you guys can come to it. But hey, I am here with Rita Arndt, a White Bear, or White Earth, a, res, a White Earth member. Sorry. And we're talking Minnesota Historical Society stuff. We'll be right back after this short break. Please stay with us. Ho. Take care of your community by joining Metro Transit's Adopt a Stop program. Show your community pride by adopting a transit stop. Join us in helping keep the stop and your neighborhood beautiful and report any maintenance needs to us. We'll put a sign at the stop recognizing your efforts, plus you'll get 10 free rides every month. Get details at metrotransit.org slash adopt. Again, adopt a stop for Metro Transit. 
The Senior Linkage Line is a free statewide service of the Minnesota Board on Aging, helping older Minnesotans and caregivers find answers and connect to services and supports. Questions about Medicare, transportation, looking to move to senior housing, overwhelmed with prescription drug plans? Call the Senior Linkage Line at 800-333-2433 or visit trellisconnects.org where we help people optimize well-being as they age. That's trellisconnects.org. Hello, Minneapolis. Make sense. Make progress. Make a date. Make an appointment with me. Weeknights from 10 to midnight here on AM 950. Eat Local Minnesota is a great way to find locally owned Minnesota restaurants and food purveyors. You'll find high quality food and unique eating experiences with dishes from around the world. Just visit eatlocalminnesota.com for your next meal. Bruner's Supper Club invites you to Maggie's Lounge, an exciting new bar lounge. It's open Wednesdays through Sundays beginning at 4.30 for cocktails and light fare. And you don't need a ticket to enjoy the great atmosphere of Maggie's. So stop by Crooner's Supper Club off Moore Lake and Highway 65 for dinner, drinks, and live music from both big-name local and national artists. Cafe Latte combines a cafe dining experience with gourmet quality food. Plus, you can still do online ordering and takeout along with gift cards. Just go to CafeLatte.com and choose from their ever-changing selection of award-winning salads, sandwiches, and soups. Cafe Latte is located off Victoria and Grand and online at CafeLatte.com. Hey, it's Tom. With fossil fuel energy costs continuing to rise, it's time to stabilize your business's expenses with a new commercial solar system from All Energy Solar. A system from All Energy Solar has a life of 25 to 30 years, allowing you to lock in your electric rates without worrying about endless rate increases. All Energy Solar has worked with businesses of all sizes and types and can customize a solution for you. Solar solutions for your business are completely scalable, so you never need to worry that you're paying for more system than you actually need. Plus, All Energy Solar can help you find all the relevant tax credits at the federal and local level. They include up to a 50% federal tax credit, deducting depreciation from your system up to 100% and more. And while it's certainly good to save on your utility costs, your customers will appreciate working with a business that prioritizes reducing their environmental impact. Get a free, no-obligation assessment from All Energy Solar's commercial solar specialists by calling 800-620-3370 or visiting allenergysolar.com. This is Gregory Rich, host of Drink in the Style and owner of Habitation Furnishing and Design. People often ask me, why habitation for my home? Well, I could give you hundreds of reasons. I could talk about the extensive collection of furnishing suppliers or our exceptionally talented design team. I could talk about service. But the truth is, Habitation clients come back room after room and home after home, and that speaks volumes. Habitation, put some drama into your interiors. With your AM 950 weather, I'm Brett Johnson. Look for partly cloudy skies tonight with a low around 7, Thursday partly sunny with a high near 9, and Friday partly cloudy with a high near 4. Since 1984, Cafe Latte has been serving up the freshest baked goods and modern comfort food in a cafeteria setting. Their menu is prepared with the best ingredients available. Cafe Latte is a leader in sustainable dining, composting their food and paper waste along with recycling everything they can. Located off Victorian Grand in St. Paul or at CafeLatte.com. You're listening to Native Roots Radio. This is Spirit from Reservation Dogs. Get up and listen. Welcome back to Native Roots Radio Presents. I'm awake and this is Robert Pilot. Hey, everybody. This portion of the show is brought to you by Native Roots Radio Network. I want to remind everybody that Native Roots Radio does have a Patreon um, and we would love it if you uh, have anything to spare, if you could jump on over to patreon.com slash Native Roots Radio Network. Uh, and if you have anything to spare, jump on and be a patron of ours. I want to thank some of our newest patrons, uh, Kyla and Allison, as well as some of our longstanding patrons, uh, Matt McNeil uh, from AM950, uh, Nicholas Shaw, Andy Pearson, and Ruth Buffalo. So, McWitch, thank you all for uh, your continued patronage for us. Yes, good point, Pinagigi, and uh, thank you so much, everybody that supported us during uh, COVID. Uh, it was a huge deal, and uh, and keep on, uh, or then you've kept on uh, supporting us, so it's great. Uh, um, 
to have you on. Hey, we're here with uh, Rita Arndt, and uh, she's uh, with the Minnesota Historical Society, and she works under the Native American Initiative. And it's just fun uh, kind of talking about this. Uh, we were talking a little bit about pictures. How did that, do you remember how that worked out? Did the Minneapolis paper come to you and say, hey, we have these these pictures and uh, we're going to get rid of them or we're going to try and sell them? How did that, how did that work out? How did you uh, get that collection? Well, that was a, a larger conversation um, with the Star and Tribune. They have their own archives and archivists and everything, but it's like a Oh, we are, the historical society ends up being a spot for a lot of stuff to go to because, you know, proper of storage and being able to take care of those types of things. So it was just a, a bunch of uh, larger collections uh, and, and it just happened to have Indians in it. That's why I think it's great is because like we do focus a lot on our native collection, but the way that native, I'm always interested in how native people show up in other spots where you're not necessarily looking for them necessarily but uh, one of our colleagues um, found, hey, we got these images and there's some folders labeled Indians. Would you like to look at them? And we were like, yes. <laughs> and so then we started developing what can we do with these? Because they've been, you know, they're just sitting in these folders and they have been for years. So I think that's a great thing is just being able to be like, OK, now that we have the opportunity, we have these. What now? Mm -hmm. um, because a lot of the time, some of the stuff. You know, it's in the basement. It doesn't get seen. It doesn't right. get interacted with. So then how can we change that? Right. That's a really good point. So is one of the processes a DVD, one of the processes a book, and then uh, things like that? Is is that the next step or, or what is We're going to work on the exhibit and hopefully figure out what we will definitely be doing programming around the exhibit. So I'm hoping that you might be interested in doing some programming since we want to talk about the old radio shows that were around and then thinking about how how can this live past on, you know, past the exhibit date. So that's always something we're thinking about more and more because more often than not, the stuff that's on exhibit goes on exhibit. And then when it's done, it's done. But right. we want to figure out how that can live on and hopefully we can um, share that with community to, you know, maybe other community spaces want to have that show. That could be a, an opportunity there to work closely with community partners. Yeah. And and, and, and history and um, having the correct history and, uh, you know, how, you know, we joke around about being Ho-Chunk, but, you know, people that are uh, 40 years and uh Younger don't really realize the impact Ho Chunk had in here way before there was borders and, um, you, you know, things like that. That uh, I know we've joked around about that and we've talked about that too. And, you know, I just, I, I'm excited because I know you and I, and um, like right here in my office here are over 50 tapes from the St. Paul public schools that have Native Americans in it over the last, you know, 30 years. Those are things that, you know, the Minnesota Historical Society would, you know, want and have and, and, and where to store it and where to get it and how, how to proceed is what you guys are experts at. Yeah, exactly. And the way that we can provide our expertise as a resource to communities is really something that we've been striving for. Uh, I've been working with some conservators and others. Uh, we did a preserving and digitizing your photographs little mini workshop up, up on the White Earth Reservation um, for many reasons. Um, but okay. it was just a great like a pilot to show, be like, hey, this does work. There is a need from community to know how to you know preserve their things. We geared it towards Native community and we kind of because they use language i'm like i don't know what this means so we need to change it so that community understands and we also um created some little photo care packages with some you know acid-free boxes and and um stuff to put the photos in just to you know and be like here's what you need to take care of it it's really not that much if you think about it and just to make it more accessible and it's, so it's exciting to think about all the opportunities that we can do all the things we can do in the future have you had an experience, you know, of somebody coming up there and getting emotional when they saw somebody they haven't seen in years or that they were related to? Can yes. you have any kind of anecdote? <laughs> yeah, I actually will share with um, Dr. Twyla Baker. She, uh, Mandan Hadatsa from the three affiliated tribes. 
she had come down with a group because the Historical Society actually holds a large collection about their tribe, um, the Gilbert Wilson Collection. And we went through this um, photo album that this amateur anthropologist um, put together, and she saw one of the first, one of the only pictures she's seen of her grandfather in his regalia, and it really um, meant a lot to her. So she has been a champion on supporting our relationship, and so we actually were able to do uh, digital repatriation of that work to the Mandan Hidatsa tribe for their cultural resource center to have excellent copies of those things for community use. So those kinds of things, yeah, it has happened. It's amazing. Those are the best days at work, in my opinion. Wow, what a great story. And we've had her on. And it's funny, um, you know, how you connect the dots and we're a small community. She played uh, basketball with Ruth Buffalo in uh, college. And it's just like, wow, you know. And, yeah, that's an exciting story. But I can't, I can't imagine seeing, yeah, seeing somebody in regalia for the only time and feeling the connection and, all those things that come with it that 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 may that is probably the best of the best right it really is and it's hard for me to um do some of my work without even you to go oh i have to look up my family's names just to see if they show up like where they show up in these different texts and these different things and it's all very it's very interesting and it's like i've got to know more about learn more about myself my family and share it with my you know, my aunts and uncles, my mom, and it's just been really great to be able to do that too. You know, as you were talking to, I was thinking of that show, Finding Your Roots on uh, PBS, <laughs> and I, I'm addicted to that show, and that's kind of what's going on with the Minnesota Historical Society, uh, whether it's uh, relatives or uh, tribal members, uh, that it's just like mind-blowing. Yeah, it really is. And it can be in like the way, again, how people show up in our collections vary. So I've been learning more and more about it. And my main goal is to make it more accessible for community because it hasn't been for a long time for a lot of reasons. But like, how can we change that? Do you ever find any kind of uh, uh, thing like I know the skyscrapers in New York were put together by a lot of natives because they weren't afraid of heights. Uh, Have you found anything like similar to that in Minnesota uh, that you didn't expect? Not. Oh, you're putting me on the spot. Like I know a lot of unexpected history. But now no, I'm good. nervous. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't mean to put you on the spot, but just something that you've run into where like, oh my, oh my goodness, I didn't know like, you know, a lot of the, there was a lot of natives on the Humboldt football team because they were called the Indians. And I know that was kind of true in the early, early seventies. My uh, Dega, my uncle was on, you know, just things like that because there's, there's pictures and there's collections mm-hmm. and well, I found out a lot of natives played baseball back in the day, especially with the boarding schools. And I like considering, like, I don't see as many people, native people playing baseball anymore. So it's just really interesting to see um, how that came about. And like, especially with like Charles Bender, who is in the Hall of Fame. And I think he's from White Earth too. So yeah, he is. No big deal. <laughs> but you know, yeah. like, that's just interesting. That to me, I think is really great. I always love learning new things. I always, I think the thing that is always surprising to me is how closely connected a lot of stuff in Minnesota and the Twin Cities has are to like family members. Cause I'll see mm. my great aunt's name here, a cousin's name here and these um, things from the seventies and eighties. And I'm like, well, I'm not like, I didn't realize how close I was to some of these things that were happening and that we now think of like great things that, you know, that they did these great things in the seventies, but it's not that distant. Yeah, well, I think we still have a big culture of softball. I see these big, huge mm-hmm. tournaments all over the place. And it's funny, you talked about uh, Charles Bender, but I know him as Chief Bender, and he uh, is a Hall of Famer. And when I was at the Hall of Fame this last uh, summer, I I looked for his plaque and got a selfie with it because it's important. Um, I can't imagine what he uh, went through, you know, mm-hmm. as – a young person uh, in the major leagues and on one of the greatest teams uh, with Connie Mack. And yeah, that, uh, and yeah. And we've had, uh, you know, Jim Thorpe, of course, who played major league baseball and was elected the greatest uh, athlete in the first half century. He was Bo, Bo Jackson before Bo Jackson was around. And so it's great to amplify and celebrate all these things that uh, come through your way. 
Yeah, definitely. It's a. Uh, it's always. I always have fun. I always find rabbit holes to go into when I do research. And I was just doing research on the Upper Midwest American Indian Center for for the exhibit, just because there are a lot of photos from that time period about that. So I'm like, that's where I was seeing names of I'm like, I'm like, I know this person, I know this, like all of these things. And it's just really, I think what's surprising is just that closeness. And like, it's really not that distant from yourself. And I really enjoy that. Wow. Really good point and way, a good way to end this. Thank you so much, Rita, for stopping in. I really enjoy our conversations, whether you're on the road or here on the show. I, I really do. And I love history, so <laughs> that, that's a good, uh, good thing, too. So just a quick, uh, uh, a quick thing. Where, where, can, where are you located again for everybody listening? Uh, our main site is the Minnesota History Center, which is in St. Paul, just off of 94 in Kellogg. All right. Thank you so much, and we'll talk to you soon. Uh, that was Rita Arndt of the Minnesota Historical Society. We'll be right back after this short break. Stay with us. JS Bean Factory is a native-owned, community-supported, cozy, artsy coffee shop which offers roasted on-site beans, live music, and baked goods. Relax in the beautiful outside patio. City Pages writes, voted top 10 coffee shops. Tucked into a quiet corner of St. Paul's Highland Park neighborhood, this coffee shop roasts beans on-site from the best coffee-growing countries in the world. Located at 1518 Randolph Avenue, St. Paul. The good stuff. Take care of your community by joining Metro Transit's Adopt-A-Stop program. Show your community pride by adopting a transit stop. Join us in helping keep the stop and your neighborhood beautiful and report any maintenance needs to us. We'll put a sign at the stop recognizing your efforts. Plus, you'll get 10 free rides every month. Get details at metrotransit.org slash adopt. Again, adopt a stop for Metro Transit. Minnesota has the only original wolf population in the continental United States, and 80% of Minnesotans believe the wolf should be protected. Howling for Wolves is asking Minnesotans to respect our true wildlife manager, the wolf. Their survival is critical to our ecosystems, our communities, and even our economy. As highly intelligent animals with strong social bonds, Minnesota wolves deserve to be protected and admired. Learn more at howlingforwolves.org. Let's live and let howl. Hey, Olgama, I've been hearing a lot about this term, climate justice. What is that? Climate justice is recognizing that the negative impacts of climate change don't affect all people equally. It also means transitioning from a fossil fuel-based economy to a more sustainable future. MN350 is one of the groups that's pushing for this transition to protect our futures. You can even get involved, too. That's great, especially since I'm concerned about pipeline projects like Line 3. How can I help MN350? Just find them on Facebook or visit mn350.org. This portion of the show is supported by Howling for Wolves. Please join Howling for Wolves on Wolf Day, Tuesday, February 7th, 2023 at the Minnesota State Capitol. You can sign up on Howling for Wolves event page. Howling for Wolves, protecting wolves for future generations. Welcome back to Native Ritz Radio Presents. I'm awake and this is Robert Pilot. Hey, this portion of the show is brought to you by Howling for Wolves, protecting wolves for future generations. Oh. I tried I a, a, low, a, a low howl. I went, ho. You went, ho. I went high on it. I went high on <laughs> yeah. that one. But I do want to remind everybody that Wolf Day in Minnesota at the state capitol is next Tuesday, February 7th. And you can still register at bit.ly slash wolf day 2023 or go to howlingforwolves.org to find out how you can register and uh, to remind people that you can go virtually you do not have to go to the capitol in person you can go virtually so um, there's really not a great reason to not sign up you know Uh, there's Mm -hmm. lots of good reasons to sign up and protect the mangan for future generations you know, we haven't talked about this in a long time, Ogama, and I know Wendy brought this story up over the years a couple times, but uh, when they released the wolves in um, in, in uh, Yellowstone Park, you know, and the, yeah. and how they changed the whole 
uh, ecology of the waters and the plants and um, all the things that they did. Uh, it's it's just an amazing relative that they are. Absolutely, yeah. In um, I think it was Yellowstone Park, like you were saying, they they reintroduced wolves, and they had had a lot of trouble with population issues of other animals, relatives that live there, um, deer and moose and bear and other things that were there. I don't know if there's moose in Yellowstone, but you get what I'm talking about. Um, and having the wolf population back in the park really helped to um, kind of level out and really bring back to um, kind of like a homeostasis um, many things within the park. And we forget that uh, all of our animal relatives are connected and connected to us in many ways and that we need those relatives to make things operate the way that they're supposed to. Yeah, I like how you put that up, right? Like they're supposed to. Uh, you know, it, it's it's like uh, George said, uh, George, give us a call. Uh, George said, balance. Uh, I work with George uh, in Ho-Chunk Nation, and he's running for president. He should probably give us a quick call and pitch us uh, what's going on there with, uh, with him. So, yeah, give us a call, 952-946-6205. That's 952-946-6205. Nine four six six two zero five. Give us a call. Tell us what you like and don't like about me, or um, you know. Well, we won't get you on the air, but you know you can call. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> you know. While we're waiting for callers and maybe hopefully George calling us in, Robert, I just wanted to talk a little bit too about uh, Rita and uh, the you know Minnesota Historical Society. Um, that she did talk a little bit about the Undergraduate Museum Fellowship um, that's coming up here. And I just wanted to let everybody know that that is a 10-week paid program with three weeks of seminar and workshops and seven weeks of an internship program um, that's designed to help undergraduate people um, experience museums and cultural resources and public history, as well as tribal historic preservation. Um, And you do not have to be an enrolled member in a federally recognized tribe, uh, but they do ask that applicants be affiliated with an indigenous community and, um, you know, kind of have some sort of record of that as well. Um, And then they also have um, an artist in residence program uh, for those who are practicing uh, cultural forms of art or um, traditional art or what's also known as material culture. Um, I don't believe they have the dates for that one for this year open yet, um, but the application uh, would be um, available on the Minnesota Historical Society website uh, when that uh, is available and it allows for people to, um, you know, get support while they're, while they're doing those, um, those forms of art and, um, you know, making sure that our culture stays alive. So that those two things are really, really awesome things that I, I had not even known until we had Rita join our program that the Minnesota Historical Society offers. So that's um, really good to hear about. Yeah, and it's fun, uh, too, how things change. And you got to have representation. So we have somebody from White Earth that's working uh, in the museum and speaking their truth and, and, and things like that. So I, I think it's important that we have uh someone like Rita working there and I know they have more than just uh more natives than just her but it's it wasn't that way years ago and they didn't ask our opinions and they didn't ask how we felt about things so um really cool to partner with the Minnesota Historical Society and have Rita on uh as much as we can I think is really important uh, again because I, lo- I love history and I-, I love the correct history though right exactly and you know I-, I made the comment kind of in our private chat here but um, you know I-, I believe it hasn't been renewed but Rutherford Falls kind of talked about this uh, the television uh, TV um, dramatic comedy you know talked about and revolved around the functions and creations of a museum you know yeah. this native woman wanted to create a tribal museum uh for their people and her best friend ran uh, obviously a non-native museum um you know that museum had some some harmful notions of history um surrounding it and i think that um that's something that comes to mind for a lot of people for museums, but to have those two things kind of, you know, join forces um, and to have that support available through the wider network of, you know, history in the state is uh, something that's really special and um, wonderful that Minnesota is able to do. 
Yeah, that's a really, really good point. I think, uh, I think I say I think a lot. <laughs> no, uh, but, <laughs> uh, I, you know, it's funny too. Rutherford Falls was canceled after two seasons, but it, it really gave us, uh, and we had a, a privilege to have a lot of the uh, cast on, and some of them went on to Reservation Dogs and worked with uh, worked with them and and write for Reservation Dogs. And uh, uh, it was the Lieutenant Governor. If you remember the first season, it was really heavy with that MPR. Uh, white NPR guy, Jana was kind of, ha- I can't mm-hmm. remember her character's name, was having a relationship uh, with him. And uh, our lieutenant governor is married to a former NPR, <laughs> NPR yes, uh, person right. on air. And uh, yes. she was always saying, why did they stole my story? And jokingly, you know, it's pretty funny. That is pretty funny. You know, and I think that, you know, it really is something that, makes people feel, made people especially, feel really connected to something when they go, hey, that's my story too. You know, that that is the beauty of having um, Native storytellers in the wider sphere of the uh, media in movies and television and online and anywhere um, is that you can go, oh, I, I have a story like that too. And not not every story has to be um, traumatic to hear about. You know, we get to share joyful stories and um, silly stories and important stories and, um, you know, stories that relate to history, uh, like Rita was talking about. And um, all of those things are equally important. Yeah. I'd, and to let everyone know, too, uh, Reservation Dogs is coming up on their third season. If you haven't seen it, and George just texted me, he hasn't seen it. So, George, get a Hulu uh Get a 30-day Hulu account and binge on it, uh, their free uh, 30-day account just to try it out and binge on it and uh, maybe even watch Prey. They're on uh, that uh, the movie with uh, uh, the the pre prequel of uh, that Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. Um, uh, do you remember what that was based on? I'm having a, having a, a brain fart here. Can you say pardon uh, radio? I'm sorry. Say it. what? <laughs> I don't know if I was tracking you for that one, Robert. Yeah, Prey was based on. Um, uh, let me look it up here. Prey. Uh, <laughs> let me do that oh, real quick that. here before the end of the movie here. Uh, so. It's uh, the Predator uh, franchise. Oh, Predator brand. Yes, that's right. Okay. I'm not a big horror genre, everybody. So uh, thank you, Cheryl, for putting that in the comments just in time. We we appreciate it. And <laughs> Thanks, Cheryl. tuned in to uh, listen to us as well. Well, good to see you, Cheryl. And uh, I love your granddaughter. Um, she's Ho-Chunk. Ho, uh, hey, uh, we'll see you tomorrow. You're listening to Native Ritz Radio Presents I'm Awake. Uh, we're still here. We are the seventh generation. We need to resist, divest, join a group, run for office. Free Leonard Peltier now. Wajee.